Hey everyone, it's a real privilege to be able to share with you today. So according to the story, there was a small town in the USA just before the Second World War, where a fire burnt down the local school and a number of lives were tragically lost. Just imagine all of those young people who perished in the flames of that great fire. It was a terrible tragedy, as you can imagine, for such a small town, uh, there was barely a family in the town whose lives weren't directly impacted by this horrific incident. And so after the war ended, they decided to rebuild the school and they had learnt from this, the, these events, from this tragedy that they had experienced. And so they, at the time they installed what was the, understood to be at the time the most advanced fire safety system that they could source. Uh, a new sprinkler was installed at great cost uh, in order to make sure that something like this would never happen again. And they were justifiably proud of their efforts and they saw it as a fitting memorial to those who so tragically lost their lives. And because it was such a small town, uh, all of the townsfolk knew the intricate details of how this fire safety system worked. And so when visitors would come to the town and they would be shown around the school, honor students would lead them of tours of the school and would explain to them in, in great detail how these sprinklers worked and how this fire safety system was going to protect the next generation. It was fantastic. And yet many years later, the town and the school itself grew and they decided that they needed to expand the school and to build an extra wing onto the building. And so as part of that building work, they obviously had to open up uh, the, the infrastructure of the existing building in order to connect the new wing up to it. And so they had to expose the electricity, they had to expose the pipeworks, the water and so on, in order to be able to connect this new wing uh, to the existing structure. And yet when they did that, they discovered something actually quite embarrassing and yet really critical. All this time, they had forgotten to connect the mains water system to this new sprinkler. Can you imagine? They didn't connect it to the mains water system. It would never have worked. All the technology and all the capability that they, they, they installed in good faith to fight fires and potentially save lives was worth nothing to them because it wasn't connected to the source. What an absolute waste, huh? And you know, if we're not careful, I think our own lives can be similar sometimes. We can have all the tools at our disposal to live a purposeful, glorious life and yet let it go to waste if it's not connected to the source of all life. Which is why as a church we started this year uh, with this series, The Five Habits of a Healthy Christian. Now, I don't know about you, but I found it really encouraging um, and incredibly uh, a really helpful way to start 2020 uh, in the best possible way by strengthening and cultivating my daily walk with God. Uh, and so if you've missed out on any of the messages so far in this series, you can catch up with them by visiting our website, everyday.org.uk, or going to our YouTube channel. Uh, and, but we've spent the last four weeks looking at some healthy disciplines that Christians should follow if you really want to know God for yourself. If you look closely at this slide, you can even see these disciplines hidden in the slide itself. So in week one, we looked at the discipline of reading the Bible uh, by seeing the Word of God as the primary way in which we understand what God wants to say to us by reading what he's already said throughout human history. And so by daily Bible reading, we draw closer to God and allow him to speak directly to us. In week two, we talked about the second discipline of prayer, of cultivating an active conversation with the living God, 
uh, and expecting that as we speak words out to God, uh, that he speaks back to us, guiding us, shaping and encouraging us and blessing us with a deeper understanding of who he really is. In week three, we looked at worship, uh, at singing praises to God specifically. We looked at what the discipline of worship does to our minds and to our souls as we connect with God in a slightly different way, but one that resonates really powerfully with our innermost being. And uh, last week, we looked at uh, the discipline of being filled by God's Holy Spirit, of being equipped in power by God's Spirit, uh, and the joy of having the living God dwelling within us, within ordinary humans like you and me, empowering us to live a life not just working in our own strength, but trusting solely in God's strength working in us. And so this week, as we conclude this short series, The Five Habits of a Healthy Christian, we're looking at the fifth habit and the final one for this series, which is overflow, which is kind of an odd habit to sort of talk about, don't you think? As a matter of fact, I'm not even sure it's a, a spiritual discipline as such. So what do we mean when we say overflow? Well, basically what I think it means is that overflow is all about how your relationship with God goes out from you and impacts those around you. What does your relationship with God mean to your friends and your family and your neighbours and your colleagues that you have a close relationship with the living God? Because if God is dwelling within you by the power of his Holy Spirit, then that means that wherever you are, God is also present as well. And that has to be good news for a world that needs to hear it, doesn't it? And it also means that one of the main things God wants to do in you, in your life, is to impact those around you. See, it means that one of the ways that we can understand the quality and the depth of our walk with God is not just how long we spend in the Bible every day, how many verses we read, or how many songs we know and can sing, or how much time we spend a day in prayer, because it's not, it, it comes down to not just our own personal relationship with God. Yes, we are called to all have an individual relationship with God for ourselves. But what we learn as we get deeper and deeper into that relationship is that our relationship with God is not just about us and him. It's about him and what he wants to do through the, to all the people who exist around us as well too. It's about understanding how our relationship with God should positively impact the lives of those who are closest to us. How much, in other words, does the, uh, the Holy Spirit dwelling within us overflow just from, from, from our life into the lives of those around us? And so we're going to have a look at a statement that Jesus made which demonstrates what overflow ought to look like in our lives. This is from John chapter 7, and the context to this verse is that people keep asking Jesus, who are you? What are you doing? What are you here for? And in that context, there's a, there's a public feast going on. So there's a gathering. And Jesus gets up in the middle of this gathering and pro proclaims this amazing truth about what a life of overflow should look like. So he says this in uh, John chapter 7, starting at verse 37. On the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within them. Now, throughout scripture, 
the Holy Spirit is referred to in a number of different ways to try and, and under, help us understand from a human perspective what the Holy Spirit is like. And so sometimes we, we see the Spirit of God referred to as a wind that rushes in uh, or as oil that anoints us and gifts us or, or like a fire that cleanses us. Uh, or sometimes he's even referred to like wine, which is a kind of like a rich drink that satisfies us deeply. But one of the most often used analogies of the Holy Spirit is that of him being like water. And so when Jesus says this in John 7, it's a really clear indication to us that he's referring to the Holy Spirit and that the Holy Spirit should be flowing from us outwards. And so when Jesus says, as scripture has said, it's a, it's a reference to the prophet Isaiah. In, in Isaiah 58, uh, the prophet Isaiah says, you, should, you will be like a spring whose waters never fail. You can see the parallels there, can't you? Um, but Jesus is also showing us a parallel with the story of the Exodus, uh, when the Israelites uh, you know, escaped from the land of Egypt into the promised land that God was leading them into. Now in the Exodus, uh, Moses, there was a point in the, in the, on the journey where the people were thirsty and they were ready to just you know, stone Moses because they were so upset that they'd been led out into the wilderness and they didn't have anything to drink. And so in that context, uh, God, Moses cries out to God to provide him with the gift of water that he can bless the people with. Uh, and in Exodus 17, God tells Moses to take your staff and to strike a rock from it. And when you do, water, streams of water will come out of the rock for people to drink. And so you're meant to hear Jesus' words and connect it back to the story of the Exodus in the Old Testament and realize that, you know, like through Moses, God provided a miraculous stream to nourish the people around him. And so in a similar way, what Jesus is saying is that the overflow of the Holy Spirit in our lives should go out from us and nourish the people around us. See, I've been reflecting on this image of overflow, of what does it mean and what does it look like? Because it, it can feel a bit like an abstract concept, doesn't it? And we, we're going to talk in a moment about some really practical ways about what the overflow of the Holy Spirit ought to look like in our lives. But when you think about it, this, this concept of overflow sounds abstract, doesn't it? It sounds difficult to grasp. And uh, over the last couple of weeks, you will have heard you know, people, different ways of explaining what the Holy Spirit is like. Uh, we've talked about the tap. You can turn off the Spirit of God in your life a bit like you can turn off a tap and cut off the stream of water. Um, and, uh, you know, John the, the, the famous uh, church leader John Piper once described it as being more like pipes rather than pots. In other words, the, the Spirit should flow through you and not just rest in you. But as I've been praying on this and meditating on it and reflecting on it over the last couple of weeks, the image that came to my mind is a sponge. Now, a sponge is a kind of odd way to think about this in a way, but I think what God, the picture that God gave me was that in order for us to understand how he wants to practice the habit of overflow in our lives, he said to me that we need to be sponges, which is just a bit weird, isn't it? But let me help you explain what I'm trying to say here. Consider the properties of sponges. Now, sponges can soak up a lot of water, can't they? They can swell much, much bigger than their original size. If they're completely empty of water, you'll find them dry and hard and compact, don't you? But when they soak in water, they expand and they get bigger and they swell and they fill up as they start to take on more and more of the liquid or the water that they are soaked in. 
And in the same way, I felt like God saying to me that like a sponge soaks up water, you need to soak up the Holy Spirit in your life in order for you to be good news for the people around you. You were designed to be full. You were designed to be full of God's Holy Spirit in your life. You were not designed to lack the Spirit. You were not designed to be, be separated or be far from the Spirit. And sometimes when our lives feel hard and feel difficult, actually one of, those, one of the reasons for that can often be a sign of perhaps a lack of the presence of the Holy Spirit filling us and being in our lives. And so I just want to say that when we talk about overflow and we talk about blessing people around you, I just want to say if you're feeling dry, whether it's spiritually or, or physically, you, if you're feeling in need, if you're feeling like you're lacking something from God, hey, that's not a good place to be pouring out and to be trying to give to other people. If you're not giving out of your overflow, but instead giving out of your lack, it's going to feel like hard work. It's going to feel like a chore and it's going to feel like something you must do rather than something you get the joy of participating in out of a relationship with God. And so, you know what? Um, for some of you hearing this message today, um, the thing that you need to take away from it the most is actually you need to go back to week four. You need to learn more about the discipline of being filled with the Holy Spirit and you need to cry out to God to be filled more and more. And not just filled up a little bit, but to be full to overflowing, saying, God, I need your spirit. Would you fill me up so that I feel refreshed and encouraged and empowered by you and not feeling dry and in need? Do that first before you consider, well, what does my, how does the spirit flow out from me to impact the lives of those around me? But consider another property of sponges uh, is that they are porous. In other words, they're full of holes. Um, they don't retain the water that they hold, but they release it all around them. And you, you'll know this for yourself if you've ever put a sponge into a bucket and moved it around and, and made it full of water and then tried to pick it up and carry it somewhere, you'll notice you make a mess, don't you? You leave water wherever you go. And in the same way that sponges don't permanently hold on to the water that they absorb, but they release it as soon as they're outside of the, of the water, in the same way, I feel like God is saying to us, um, what a life of overflow ought to look like is this. We get full and then we release the blessing that we've been filled with onto the people around us, to our friends and our family, to those who know Jesus and who love him and to those who, who don't yet understand who God is and what he wants to do in their lives. Uh, God wants to use us to be a blessing to those around us. Uh, the, the image I had is just of like, you know, you taking a sponge and just showering it all around you so that people around you, whoever encounters you, uh, whether they realize who it is or not, they get a dose of the Holy Spirit blessing them in their lives. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that what the kind of things we want to be in our Christian life? The thing is, is that God's grace cannot be fully contained in human beings. You can no more contain the grace of God within you then a sponge can soak up the entire ocean. I'll say it again. You can no more contain the grace of God in you than a sponge can soak up the entire ocean. If you put a sponge in the sea, it will fill up until it's reached its maximum capacity and then it will just float along the ocean because it cannot take any more. Um, you were never meant to keep this blessing for yourself. You were, it, the, the blessing was always meant to flow from you and drip onto the people around you. You know, I love this quote from D.L. Moody that we heard recently, uh, which is when he said, when he, when he described his experience of the Holy Spirit, he said, 
I was all the time tugging and carrying water, a bit like trying to carry a bucket around. You know that buckets of water can be heavy, right? And when he experienced the Holy Spirit, he said, but now I have a river that carries me. Wow. That's the picture of us that, I, that I'd love us to be like, of a, to be a people who are like sponges floating along the ocean, being carried by wave after wave of the Holy Spirit, being full of him and, uh, and, and using the blessing that we've received to bless those around us. I want to be like that, don't you? To be like a sponge floating down in God's river. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 2 says this, but thanks be to God who uses us to spread the aroma of him everywhere. For we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. See, if God is living in us through his soul, Holy Spirit, then there, there should be something so tangibly different about us and our presence around people around us that they notice it as something almost tangible, a bit like a, you'll know when you walk into a room and you can smell a fragrance or smell an aroma. When people have an encounter with you, they're really having an encounter with the living God and they should notice something's different. It's almost like they can smell the difference in you. I know I've been talking about sponges and now I'm talking about aromas, but I guess what I'm saying is we should be stinky sponges for Jesus. <laughs> this sounds wonderful, doesn't it? But uh, it can also be a little bit abstract, can't it? And so I guess the next question is, what should this look like in our lives? And I think last week when we talked about the Holy Spirit, it was very much about knowing and experiencing the Spirit of God in the here and now, in the moment, asking to be filled with the Holy Spirit and receiving that gift, you know, here and now. Um, and I think to the, today what, you know, what we really want to kind of dig into more is about not just knowing the Holy Spirit in the moment, but living a life of overflow should be about experiencing, yes, experiencing the Spirit, the Spirit immediately, but also more how it impacts the times when you leave, you know, being part of a church gathering, when you leave being part of a home group. You know, what does it mean to carry the Spirit of God with you in your day-to-day -day life, whether you're at work, whether you're at school, whether you're staying at home, uh, you know, and you're shopping on your, you know, your daily routine? What does it look like for the people around you, for you to be carrying the Spirit of God into their presence? <coughs> and so in this context, you will have heard us as a church talking about the, uh, how we connect out to serve the world using the language of prayer, care, and share. Uh, and this can really only come out of the overflow of the Holy Spirit in us, because otherwise it will feel like a chore. It will feel like legalism and it will feel like trying to work hard to please God rather than being blessed by God and serving him out of the overflow of what we already have. Hey, if it feels like works, then it's going to stretch us. It's going to burn us out and we're not, we're not going to be blessed and encouraged by it. But if we're full of the Holy Spirit, then it will be a joy and a privilege to partner with what our Father is already doing that he joy invites us to participate in as well. And so let's start with prayer. Did you know that the single most effective, most powerful thing you, that you can do for your friends and your family around you, whether they know Jesus or whether they don't, is to pray for them? It sounds too simple, doesn't it? It sounds almost too good to be true. And yet... This is one of the most powerful tools of God that we have at our disposal. In uh, Luke 22, Jesus, uh, when recognizing that Simon Peter is going through some temptation, says this to him. He says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you all as wheat, but I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. 
And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Do you notice that? It's really interesting, isn't it? That Jesus seems to be completely confident in the outcome of his prayers. It's like he expects that his prayers are going to be answered. He, he, he knows that his prayers are effective because he's prayed them uh, to his heavenly father, who he knows very well and is living in the overflow of that relationship. And because of that relationship, he knows what his father's will is. And therefore, he can be confident that when he prays, he's praying what God wants and not just what he wants. And likewise, the Apostle, writes, uh, Apostle James writes in, in his uh, you know, letter, James 5, he says, the church is expected to and it ought to pray for those around them, not just, in, not just for the people in our church, but for those who don't know God for themselves. It says in James 5, is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven because the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Here at Everyday Church, we want to help you to respond to God today. And so we, one of the, the, the most powerful tools we have that we want to bless you with is to be able to pray for you. And so you will see ways in which we can pray for you right now. And I want to encourage you, if you have a need from God, uh, hey, ask us to pray for you. We would love to pray for the power and the presence of God in your life. And if you're just on a journey of trying to discover who God is for yourself and you're thinking, I, I don't really know what all this is about, we would really love to pray that God would meet you uh, wherever you happen to be at in that spiritual journey of life. And we want to pray that God will meet you where you are, will reveal himself to you, and will just help you to understand how much Jesus loves you and really desires a relationship with you. You can be prayed for right now. So I just encourage you, use that. We love to bless people with prayer. So do that. Pray now. We would, we would love to be able to pray with you. Um, James goes on in his uh, letter to give examples of how people in the Bible prayed and how God acted on those prayers and changed the course of what he was going to do because of those prayers. Now, we don't really have time today to dig into re really deeply about how prayer works. But the point of it is, is that when we pray, we have the ear of God. He listens to our prayers and he will change things when we pray to him because he loves to do, uh, you know, he loves to, to respond to our prayers and to do what we ask him to do. Um, when we pray, we can change the mind of God. That is an incredible concept, but it is, it is scriptural truth. And it's a tool, therefore, prayer is a tool that we can use to bring his will to pass in this life. You know, when I was on the journey of, of, of just coming to understand who Jesus was for myself, um, you know, I, I made a commitment to follow God. Um, and after I'd made that commitment, um, I, I think what strengthened and encouraged me so much personally was, was learning and understanding how many people who knew me as a family, you know, knew us as a family and who were praying personally for me, who were praying for me to come to know Jesus for myself. And I, I didn't know that at the time. I was kind of trying to figure out this journey for myself. But it was just so encouraging and so uplifting for me to know that people were praying for me to know God. And actually God answered those prayers because he met with me and changed my life, you know, completely. How many times have you heard someone say to you, hey, I'm going to pray for you. Uh, and it feels almost like a goodbye or a way of ending the conversation. Um, you know what? I want to I give us a challenge uh, this week of doing exactly that. When you encounter somebody, I want you to end the conversation with them by saying, 
I really want to pray for you and I'm going to pray for whatever you need today. And then to follow up on that promise, not to not just use it as a goodbye so long, I'm ending the conversation now, but to, hey, to take that prayer request, to take that person to God. And the next time you're in that private place doing your everyday devotions, perhaps, or, you know, when you're praying, when you're crying out to God, lift up that person in prayer. You know, pray for God's blessing on them. Pray for whatever needs they might have. Pray for them to be strengthened and encouraged. And then look and see what your father does for you. He loves to answer prayers. Um, if you can do that in the overflow of your relationship with God, you can be confident that God wants to hear your prayer and God wants to answer your prayers today. And, you know, um, as a follow-up to this message, the everyday devotions that are going to come out over the rest of this week are going to dig into this a little bit more about, uh, you know, having friends and family uh, of a list of people to pray for and how we can do that as part of our devotional time with God. Um, but I want you to see that prayer is your primary tool of living in the overflow of God and to use it well this week to bless the people around you. So that's prayer. Um, the second one is care. See, the next practical step we can do is to care for the people around us. Um, we can practically care for the friends and the family we have in our lives, both inside and outside the church. You know, as, as one of the elders of Everyday Church, I've sometimes pastored people who said to me, the church didn't help me in my time of need, but this person helped me, and this person helped me, and this person helped me when I needed something. And I, I sort of want to say to them, Don't, do you understand that all of those people are part of the body of Christ? So yes, the church did help you in your time of need. It's just not in the way that you were expecting. Hey, the church is not just an organization. The church is the body of Christ, the people who have known and accepted Jesus as their saviour and who are walking forward together in unity, uh, going after the things of God. If you are one of those people, you are the body of Christ. You are the church. And so all of us in the church have a role to play in looking out for and looking after those people in our circles that need help. Now, in everyday church, the primary way that this will happen will be within the context of our life groups and our gatherings that meet uh, in different contexts throughout the week uh, to encourage one another, to read the Bible more, to pray with one another for needs uh, and to practically help one another where we can. And so if you're not part of a life group yet, I want to encourage you to join one. It will do you good in loads of ways. But one of the, the primary functions of life groups is that within that, that context, you will be pastored and you will be discipled by everyday church. Uh, you know, the elders of everyday church cannot possibly get round to everybody who is part of us as a, as, a, as a church. And so life groups are one of the primary ways in which we, you know, have a framework to help you get cared for and help you get shepherded and to help you meet your needs, you know, with God's help on a day-to-day -day basis. And when we care for the people around us in generosity and in love and not out of our own lack, but over the overflow of our relationship with God, then it means that the kingdom of heaven is powerfully present in those people's lives. <coughs> Hebrews 13 encourages us to keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. It says, Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Continue to remember those in prison if you were in, as, as if you were in, together with them in prison, and those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. Now this is clear, practical instruction for all of us who follow Jesus, in other words, the church. Um, this doesn't mean the institution of church, but it means individuals who call themselves Christians to be practically engaged in care and making a tangible difference 
to the lives of people around us. Now, this is not just for those of us who feel called to participate in social action. No, we are all called to care for the sick, the poor and the needy in our communities and all those around us. Now, at Everyday Church, part of the way in this, this will work will be possibly getting involved with some of the ministries and some of the organisations we support and we operate and we partner with as a church. If you look on the Everyday Church website, uh, you will see some of the organisations we partner with. You will see some ministries that we're involved in and see how you can, if you contact us, you can find out more about how you can get involved in some of these for yourself. But if you're living an overflow life, it's not just about organisations. Uh, you will know people around you that need help. And God has put you there to help them. My favorite verse of the Bible, Acts 17, uh, starting at verse 26. From one man, he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he has marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. Sometimes we say to God, God, would you please help my friend in need? And God answers those prayers. I already did. I gave them you. Again, this cannot be out of a sense of obligation or guilt, but should come from the joy of being able to serve and partner with the relationship that we have out of our Father God. Um, of being able to, put, to give to someone the overflow of what God has so richly blessed us with. And so finally, share. You know, we need to take the opportunity to share. What does that mean? It means exactly what it sounds like. Taking the opportunities to share the good news of the gospel to those around us who need to hear it. The gospel is great news, isn't it? Uh, if, as we've said before, the Holy Spirit is too vast and too amazing to be contained in a human vessel like us, then it is also true that the good news of uh, you know, God's reconciling humankind back to himself through Jesus' death and resurrection and the good news of God wanting to bless and forgive his people. Hey, that's too good to keep to ourselves, isn't it? Um, I love this image in uh, 2 Kings chapter 7, uh, when after a great miracle occurs, uh, some men are walking through a camp and they are living in the blessing of the miracle that has just occurred. And they, they come to a sudden realisation and they say this, they say, what we're doing is not right. This is a day of good news and we're keeping it to ourselves. If we wait until daylight, daylight uh, punishment will overtake us. So let's go uh, at once and report this to the royal palace. And so it's a, a picture. They go off and they, they tell everyone about the good news that they've just experienced. And it's a picture of what our lives ought to be like, you know. I, I get challenged when I hear about the concept of friendship evangelism. Because if I'm honest, I have to say for me, it's often more times about friendship than it is about evangelism. Um, I want to be friends with my friends and I don't want to put them off. But my friends need to know, if they don't already, how amazing Jesus is for themselves. And God has put me there in order that somehow I might find a gracious and gentle and loving way to help them understand that, hey, God loves them. God is for them and God has great plans for them if they would accept him into their lives. Um, the, uh, the famous uh, comedy magician duo, Penn and Teller, um, uh, Penn Gillette, one half of that duo, uh, is a very famous and a very notable atheist and often produces videos where he tries to debunk the claims of faith. And he posted a video once of an encounter he had with a Christian who tried to convince him of the good news of Jesus. And he said to this video, he, he said, I don't mind someone coming to tell me about Jesus because if you've got news this good, 
you would want to share it with those around you. And he likened it to um, seeing someone standing in front of a speeding truck and the truck is bearing down on them. And he said, how much would you have to hate that person to not want to knock them out of the way of that speeding truck? He said, if you think you've got amazing news that is going to change my life, why wouldn't you want to share it with me, regardless of how I'm going to take that news? Why wouldn't you want to share that news with me if you loved me and you wanted to see the best for me? And I get challenged when, when an atheist says stuff like that. Because I think, man, I know the good news that I have in Jesus. I can testify to lots of stories of the work that God has done in my life. And I see some friends and family and people that I know who you know, uh, would just so, you know, uh, need to understand the love of Jesus for themselves. And I think, hey, God has put me next to them and he's asked me to share the good news with them. You know, I've been really blessed that I've, I've made lots of friends in my local community over the years. And, uh, you know, most, pretty much all of them know that I and my family are Christian and we follow Jesus. They know that, you know, I'm heavily involved with everyday church. And although many of them would disagree with, you know, what I believe, and we've had great conversations about that over the years, um, time and again, the thing that I get from them is, uh, is a level of respect. And they often say to me things like, I haven't got your faith and I don't think I could have your faith, but I really respect what you do. I really respect, you know, it's clear that you think God is real um, and that you're, you're trying to do stuff in his name and you're trying to be positive and you're trying to live the way your, your God teaches you to live. Um, part of me gets a little bit discouraged by that because I feel like, you know, but you've missed the point because the, the good news is for you as well too. But part of me understands that they're like, hey, I'm living in the overflow of my relationship with God. And all I've tried to do is be good friends with them and to bless them and encourage them and where I have opportunities to do so, to share something of my faith with them. I'm not responsible for whether they come to faith or not. Only God does the salvation work, not me. But I am responsible for helping them understand the good news for themselves, for introducing them to a God who, knows them, who wants to know them and who loves them deeply. What God does with that information and how they respond to God is really between them and God. Um, but if I can feel like I've, I've uh, introduced them enough, then in a way my, my job is done. My calling is just to be a blessing to those people so that when they come into contact with me, they feel like, they've had, uh, they feel like their, their lives have been positively enriched by being around me rather than you know, negatively. In other words, I'm living out of my overflow. And what I want to do is overflow the love that God has shown me onto the people around me so that they feel loved and cherished by me. Actually, what they don't understand is, is that they're really loved and cherished even more by the living God. And so prayer, care and share is the ways that we live out of the overflow. Um, not our lack, but the overflow of our relationship with God. And so as we, were, you know, we come to a close and we consider what, how we're going to respond to this message, um, in many ways, I just want to say to you, be a stinky sponge. And you know what that means. It means to be filled and to be soaked in the, in the Holy Spirit of God. To be like a sponge where you're, you're, you're porous, where the, the, the blessing flows out from you into those around you. And to take the opportunities to pray for your friends and family, um, both inside and outside the church. To care for them practically in any way that you can and that you're able to. And then when given the opportunity, to share the good news of Jesus for yourself. Hey, we need to respond to this message, don't we? Um, these are the, some of the disciplines of what it means to be a healthy Christian. And uh, my prayer for you is, is that as you follow some of these habits, some of these daily disciplines, you will experience the power and the presence of God in your life and the people around you will too. Let me pray. 
Lord Jesus, I just want to thank you for these five weeks uh, of, of just getting to grips with some of these habits, some of these disciplines for ourselves. Lord, would you uh, bless us and fill us up with the power of your Holy Spirit? Would we you know, take these disciplines and these habits on, not just for these first few weeks of the year, but as a daily walk that will carry us through and, uh, and to, for the rest of our lives? And Lord, as we commit to these habits and these disciplines, uh, would they not be like chores for us? But would they be joyful and glorious because we're doing them out of the relationship of the living God that we have? And as we do these things, Lord, would you move powerfully presence, not just in our lives, but in the lives of the people around us who we love and who we dearly would like to see come to know you for themselves? Would you move powerfully, Lord, Ask we ask in your name. Amen. Amen.